following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Hello. Um, I want to say thank you um, for allowing me to blow out of here last Sunday like I did um, and make the trip to Barnstead for the softball tournament. Um, I might have got fired for that um, but before, but I'm grateful for your grace. Oh, we've been meaning to speak to you. Um, so Anyway, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 1 through 20, and that's on page 868 in the Pew Bibles. After we look at the catechism question. <laughs> Go team! All right. So we're actually moving on to the next uh, stage of our catechism question. So we're on to question 21. Uh, that means we're only going to do one here uh, this morning. Um, so question 21 what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? Excellent. And adults, what sort of redeemer is needed to bring us back to God? One who is truly human and also truly God. That was easy, right? Yes. Yeah, what they said. Yep. Uh, so uh, if you're new with us or, or haven't caught up, um, we are doing the New City Catechism together as a family, and the kids are studying that in Sunday school. And we've got some small groups that are focused on that as well. Uh, and you can, you can either buy the book um, or there's a free app that you can download, the New City Catechism. Uh, it has all of these questions and answers as well as um, scripture and commentaries to back it up. Uh, if you ever wanted to read some Augustine of Hippo, I mean... Today was your chance, uh, or this week was your chance for, for question 21. So, um, All right, so back to Luke 10. I don't know about you folks, but um, I was earnestly praying that the Lord would take it easy on us this week. Um, I've been feeling a little beat up, and uh, I don't know that's how it's going to go. Well, we'll see. <laughs> So let's look at our uh, text for this morning, Luke 10, verses 1 through 20, and then we'll jump right in. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages." Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. But whatever, whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, 
Even the dust of your own town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will, be, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that, your, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful to gather together around your word this morning. We thank you for your presence here with us. We pray, Lord, now that your spirit would speak, that you would interpret the words between my lips and your people's ears, that your message would ring true in our hearts, and that we would be changed as a result of our time together. We love you, Lord, and we give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So chapter 9 began with Jesus sending out the twelve two by two, into the villages where Jesus had already been. Uh, And chapter 10 begins with Jesus sending out the 72, two by two, into the village and towns where he hadn't gone yet, but was about to go on his way to Jerusalem. Now, just as a side note, some of you may have a translation that don't say 72, but says 70 instead. Congratulations. There is a a long and complicated explanation for that, um, but uh, I don't want to talk about the meaning or different meanings of the Greek word duos, whether it means to or also, so I'm not going to. So that's just the way it is. We're going to go with 72. Really doesn't matter all that much. So these 72 were sent out by Jesus and then returned uh, to Jesus after doing what they were sent to do, and then there's no other mention of them in Scripture at all. And this is important. Um, Well, they may have maybe have been part of a larger group of people mentioned in Acts chapter 1. They would have numbered part of the 120 disciples uh, that had followed Jesus from his baptism uh, by John in the Jordan River all the way up until the day of Pentecost. So maybe they were in that number. Uh, But the point is, this particular group isn't mentioned again in Scripture. And this is important for us to remember because there was no lasting office for this group of people. Um, There's no special office in the church that was any different from any other disciples. Um, This is important for us to know because this is where the Catholic Church came up with the idea of cardinals, was this group. But uh, it just... 
you're, it's all just imaginary after that. I mean, it, this is, they were a group of people sent out for a specific task. They completed that task and came back and then were reassimilated into the rest of the group and that's it. That's important because what the Bible actually says matters. Not what we think it should say, or I heard it, somebody said that the Bible said it one time, or, or the church says the Bible says this, or it doesn't matter what the Bible says, it's what I believe. That's bad news. It matters what the Bible actually says. That's why we're here in the Word this morning and not skipping over this text because there might be something easier or happier for us to talk about. Well, happy Father's Day. <laughs> so this group, given a special task by Jesus, and there are some things we can learn um, as disciples from Jesus' instructions to this group. Um, the 12 were sent out to gather what Jesus had already sown, right, in, in chapter 9. They'd already, Jesus had already been to those villages. They'd already heard him preaching the kingdom. And so they were there to reinforce the message, to heal the sick, cast out demons, and to continue to preach the message that Jesus had begun to deliver. The 72 were sent out with a different message, a different mission. They were sent out to till the ground in preparation for Jesus to come and sow seeds, right? Um, there's a theologian, uh, Riggen, Riggenbach, <laughs> not quite as cool as Van Oosterzee, but still fun. Uh, he wrote that the 70, 72 disciples are to be regarded as a net of love that Jesus threw out into Israel, all right? He's, he's send, sending these people out uh, in love. It's two different metaphors of, of gardening and fishing, but um, it's a beautiful picture nonetheless. Uh, Jesus stuck with the farming metaphor, so so will we. I don't know why Riggenbach was thinking about fishing. It was probably a Friday afternoon. So first Jesus tells them that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I'm, I'm sure if you've been in the church for any uh, length of time, you've heard this text used before. There's something important here for us to see. Um, is that laborers pray for more laborers to work alongside them. Spectators pray for laborers to go do the work so they don't have to. Okay? Jesus says... Be laborers and pray for more laborers. Right. The fields were ripe for harvest. People were ready for the good news. All right. You have to remember, when Jesus comes on the scene, there had not been a prophet speaking the word of God for 400 years. Right. The, 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 the time span between the end of the book of Micah and the beginning of the book of Matthew is 400 years. 400 years. Our, our country is, is 246 years old. Okay? And we think we've been around for a long time. So the fields were ripe for harvest. People were ready to hear from the Lord. They were ready for the good news. But there weren't enough people bringing it to them. And this condition still exists today. So I think the encouragement for us is to be laborers, one, 
and to pray for more laborers, too. In verse 3, Jesus tells them, go your way. All right, get going. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Um, do you know what the natural, natu- natural defense is for a, a lamb? Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have one. Um, it's meat on legs. Um, that's what sheep are for. That's what they do. Uh, they don't have any natural defense at all. Um, Ken Davis, a Christian comedian, used to tell a story about growing up on a farm and they had some sheep. Uh, and there was a particular sheep that, for whatever reason, he didn't like. I think it was Norman was the name of the sheep. I, I, Ken Davis, right? You're taking notes. Ken Davis, the sheep Norman. It's really funny when he tells this story. Whatever reason, he, he didn't like this sheep, and one day he thought he would jump out and scare the sheep um, because it had been giving him a hard time or, or, I don't know, ramming him when he wasn't paying attention. So he thought he would jump out and scare the sheep as, as, as the sheep walked by. So he hid around the corner of the barn, and when the sheep approached him, he jumps out and yells, Boo! Right? Do you know what the sheep does? Natural defense? He died. That's it. That's it. And that was his natural defense, right? And that's what he had to tell his father. What did you do to Norman? So I said, boo, and he died. It's really funny. It's funny, but this is exactly what we are without Jesus. The enemy says, boo, and we die. That's how we react, isn't it? Something comes up, and we freak Something hard happens to us and we don't know what to do. We are totally powerless. And Jesus sends out the 72 with a reminder that they too are completely powerless without him. That they were being sent out in the midst of those who would devour them if given the chance. And he sends them out in a hurry. He sends them out in haste. So this gives explanation to why don't you greet anybody on the road? Like, if, all right, so you've got to walk from West Ossipee to Madison, and if you meet anybody on the way, don't greet them. I'm not like, hey, and just keep walking. They are in first century Middle East, where a greeting and salutation took some time. Not just, and off you go. We can get away with that sort of greeting. They were in a hurry to preach the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, and rely on the benevolence and hospitality of those who would listen, and warn those who rejected their message, and then report back to Jesus. Verse 4 says, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. That's not do not go from house to house preaching the word. That's not this house doesn't serve good enough food. I'm going to go find someone that does. They didn't offer me waffles and I really like waffles and I'm going to go find a waffle house. No, sorry, that's I didn't. That was unintentional. 
<clears throat> anyway, when you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. I don't want to get into a lot of uh, in depth of the instructions that Jesus gave to these people because they're not lasting necessarily for us. But some things that are important for us to understand. Verse 12, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, uh, Sodom was a city in the Old Testament that was known for its out-of-control sexual immorality and complete lack of even a single righteous person. And along with the city of Gomorrah, it was completely destroyed by God with fire and brimstone from heaven. I've actually visited that site. Oh, I've been to Gomorrah. Um, There's nothing there. Like, nothing. It's rubble. And some of that rubble, I think I've shown some of you before, it's melted stone, brimstone, for real. Archaeologists have found evidence that the city burned both from the top down and from the bottom up. Okay, Burning from the bottom up, that's when you have a fire in your house, it burns from the bottom up. How do you burn from the top down? When fire rains from heaven. So the towns that would reject the good news that the kingdom of God has come near to them, that Messiah is on his way, and they reject that message, it will be more bearable for Sodom on Judgment Day than for that town. Jesus goes on to say, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would, have been, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum were all towns around the Sea of Galilee that Jesus had preached in, that he had done many mighty works in. He'd healed the sick, cast out demons, even raised the dead. But they rejected him. Tyre and Sidon, in comparison, were pagan cities north of there on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea that had never heard the gospel and never claimed to know God. The importance is the, the measurement of judgment will be the same for both. The measurement, which we will all be judged by, all mankind will be judged by, did you reject Jesus? Did you accept Jesus? That's it. That's the line. 
Jesus reminds us of this fact when the 72 returns. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Everything that you guys saw happen, or every, everything that you, you accomplished, is because of Jesus. All the power that you uh, um, exercised over demons, that's Jesus, okay? That's not you. So don't rejoice in that. Instead, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Again, there's, there's lots to talk about there. Lots of how many angels could stand on the head of a pin kind of conversations. We're not going to have those today. I think that these verses are a warning to the church. Maybe you cast out some demons. Maybe you healed some people. Maybe you raised a good family. Maybe you have a nice house. Maybe you make a comfortable living. Maybe... You're respected in your community. Maybe you resurrected a dying church. Maybe now that church is full. Maybe you did lots of great stuff in your town. Maybe everybody knows your name at the school. But don't rejoice in that stuff because none of that came from you anyway. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is a warning. J.J. Van Oosterzee did write, What anyone does is a very deceiving standard for the judgment of his inner worth. One may cast out devils and yet himself still be a child of darkness. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, my least favorite verses in the Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. 
Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And how can we know? How can we know for sure? How do we get our names into the Lamb's book of life? How can we be saved from that terrible fate described in Revelation? How can we be saved from the lake of fire? Romans 10, 8 through 13 says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why do we say that we're saved? Don't forget what you're saved from. And to those who would be laborers sent out into the harvest to proclaim this message. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And those of us who are saved are also sent as laborers into the harvest to preach the good news and to pray for more laborers. Where is the harvest? It's right out there. It's right down this road. Just out 41, 28. You're in it. We're in it. We can't hide out in here. This can't be it. If I'm the only laborer, I'm done. This is for us to do. To be laborers. To go out with this good news that you can be saved. That going to church is not about religion and following the rules and dressing the right way and and acting the right way and showing up at the right places at the right time. Faith in Jesus Christ. The simple message that Jesus died to save sinners. And friends, I'm the chief and principal. I'm number one sinner. And he died for me. When we go out with self-righteous attitudes, just be like me and you'll be okay. Just come to Crossroads Church because we got it right. 
<laughs> That's not a message of hope. That's a message of conformity. That's the message that will get us lined up in the line that says, didn't we say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all kinds of great stuff in your name? We did all kinds of cool things. We had the best Sunday school around. We had the coolest sign on Route 16. <laughs> See the way our cross glows, man? We're the coolest. None of that is going to matter. It's the message of forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we are called to do. That is our work. It doesn't mean you need to get uh, ordained. It doesn't mean you need to go to a foreign country. It means you need to share with those around you, the people that you love, that God loves them. And Jesus died for them because he loves them. That's the job. So be a laborer and pray for more laborers. No more spectators. Let's get to work. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for your word to us this morning. We're thankful for your spirit. Again, we trust, Lord, that you have amended the words from my mouth to your people's ears, that your message would be written on our hearts. Pray, Father, that we as a family would be faithful laborers, sharing the good news of Jesus' love, his atoning death on the cross, that he is our Redeemer. I thank you that we don't need lots of complicated theological language or understanding to know that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, confess with your mouth, God raised him from the dead, or vice versa, or both, that we'll be saved, that people can be saved from the horrible fate that is awaiting for those who reject Jesus. Don't let us be them. Help us to bring this good news to those we love. For we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.